This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Hello, my name is Simon Miller from What Culture Wrestling and you are listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast and you better keep listening to it. Why? Here's why. You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast, a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we can produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Apple Podcasts, Podcast Addict, CastBox, and all other podcast platforms. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at podmania.co.uk. Let's do this. And welcome to another episode of the Pod Mania Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Good, and I'm joined as ever by Garth Jackson and Chris O'Brien. Garth, how are you feeling, bud? Good, good, good. I've got my beers and I'm ready to talk wrestling. What's your tipple of choice today? It is the very finest uh, beer de or from Tesco. <laughs> <laughs> It's a step above Tesco Lager, isn't it, really? <laughs> Four of which I have in my cupboard at this very moment. Um, Chris, he says, with a sense of creeping trepidation and dread. How are you, Betty? I've, I've only cried once today, so that's fine. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I've got, I've got my Samuel Joe's um, straight Kentucky bourbon. Um, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> that, that's it. I'm, I mean, like, we have two podcasts to record today, Rob. And then two more and some... <laughs> Don't break the then, third wall. And then two more on Sunday, because, ooh, I can't watch the Invasion Attack match. I have a job. Um, so, yeah, I need to say... I need to have... be. Re- I need to be restrained for some things. Was that, was that a dig at me for having a job? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> I mean, like, I so very rare. Like, I'm not being funny. Before, I could be like, "Oh, I understand responsibilities. I have shit to do." But now I have nothing to do, and I resent people who have things to just, do. Just, just, just you wait. Now you've got your uh, degree and all that shit. Oh, I never, I never told you. I watched my film for the week because I've been doing this weekly film thing. Oh yes. Um, it was Twilight. Fuck um... off. <laughs> that only borderline classes oh, as a fucking film. Yeah, it wasn't great, especially since, like, the last two I watched are, like, now two of my favourite films of all time, and then there was this. Um, so what were the two before I, this? Um, Pulp Fiction and Clerks. So you went from Clerks to Pulp Fiction to fucking Twilight. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, I, to be honest, I only did it because I was on Netflix last night. And you know, like when you just want something on and you can't be bothered arguing whatever your thumb clicks on. Yeah, porn. <laughs> so, like, I just put in, I just put in a random letter, which turned out to be T. Mm-hmm. First film. Or... Hmm. I, I don't. I challenge how random that letter was. No, I, I just like, Bertie. I just put T in my keyboard, man. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you really do worry me at times and I, I know you stress stressed off out 
<laughs> to be fair, I, I, some, I sometimes just message the group and be like, oh, I'm, I've fallen down a rabbit hole of Japanese shoot incidents, and neither of you are ever surprised. One no. day, you are going to message and say, I... I've just watched the Godfather trilogy. What an epic trilogy. And we are, that's when we'll get surprised, not I've fallen down the hole of watching Inoki shoot on, insert name here. Oh, um, to be fair, Rob, do you want to tell Garth about llamas of hats? Um, honestly, Chris, <laughs> I don't think I would do it justice um, describing whatever the fuck you watched before the Young Lion cast on Wednesday. So I'll let you, I'll let you elaborate to him. Okay, so there's like two llamas. They both have hats. One's called Cow. I forget what the other one's called, but you keep going Cow. And like event, and like, Cal keeps doing awful things. Eventually, the other one dies. Um, and then like Cal's so bad, sad because his actions have led to the end of the world, and he's followed by like a mask of his dead friend. And then he can't take the pain anymore, and he kills himself. Uh. Mhm. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much my reaction. That's the PG version of my reaction, guy. Uh, I'm confused. <laughs> um, you should watch it. It's on YouTube. It's by a guy called Film Cow. He also does the Ghost House, where a guy becomes a ghost and he's very confused by a sexy ghost butt. Oh, um, and then, and then he has children, and then he Christ. turns out he's not in a ghost house. He's in a ghost cracker barrel. Um, but then he's not in a ghost cracker barrel. He's in a ghost house, and then there's a ghost war, and somehow the ghost dies. But then he descends up in a different ghost house. It's, it's a time. It sounds fucked. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to move on. Um, <laughs> so, obviously today it's our weekly week in wrestling podcast where we go through all the news in the wrestling world. Just want to quickly go through some other things that you can expect on the Podmania Podcasting Network this week. So, um, obviously today, which will be Friday, as you are listening to it, the 29th of May, we've got our week in wrestling, the Podmania podcast. On Saturday will be a new episode of Wrestling with Jonas. Uh, Tuesday, we'll see both the bonus episode that we are dropping, which will be a review of In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede. Obviously, it's In Your House season with NXT, so we are reviewing one of the better in your house shows um john is also dropping an interview with harry mant um on wednesday myself and chris will be dropping episode four of our deep dive into the okada versus tanahashi feud so check that out on wednesday um i hope you have one um before we just completely invaded by prince david yes exactly um Friday, we'll obviously see another episode of our week in wrestling. And then on Saturday, John will release his NXT In Your House predictions. You can find ours both on the website, the Twitter feed, and of course, we'll be giving them officially on our week in wrestling podcast on the 2nd, no, 8th. No, what date is it on there? What day is it on the Friday? I've completely forgotten. I've messed up my dates. <laughs> uh, the 5th, the 5th of June. So check that out. This did you mention this Arden cast? No, because that's next week. 
Oh, no, I didn't. I completely forgot. Um, on Sunday will also be the new episode of the Starnum Cast, where we'll be talking about uh, the untimely passing of Hannah Kimura, which we'll touch on in a moment. We'll be doing a proper full tribute on that episode. And then we'll be having a look at Arisa Hashiki's run with the White Belt, her most recent run with the White Belt, obviously, after she retired at the age of 24 due to injury. Um Lads, have I forgotten anything else before we move on to the actual news in wrestling? Did you leave your dog in the car? No, that's someone else. Goth? Never mind. Um, Not that I can think of. Right. Well, in that case, let's delve straight in. Um, I've I've hit a thousand hours in Firecraft. Well done, man. I'm I'm really proud of you. That That is an achievement. Well done. Well done. <laughs> the dripping tones of sarcasm from me and Garth then was just unreal. Um. Anyway, we'll start this episode, and we start it unfortunately with um with sad news. Um, on the twenty, I think the twenty third of May, yeah, May twenty third, twenty twenty, uh, Hannah Kimura, the Stardom wrestler, passed away uh, at the age of twenty two. Um, it's unclear at the moment whether it was due to suicide though that it is being heavily pushed that it was due to suicide um hours before her death she'd been posting stuff on her twitter and her instagram which had alarmed quite a lot of people um including quite a few graphic images and basically a lot of tweets about what she was going through um she was then found at 4am by her mum when it was raised that she might be in trouble um just before her death, um, she released on Twitter, and this is a translation, nearly 100 frank opinions every day. I couldn't deny they hurt me. Die, you are disgusting, you should disappear. I believe these things about myself more than they did. Thank you, mother, for the gift of life. My whole life I wanted to be loved. Thank you to everyone who supported me. I love you all. I'm sorry for being weak. Um, And then the last thing... It's basically she... a suicide note, isn't it? Yeah, effectively. And... Again, it's being heavily pushed that it's it's a suicide due to cyberbullying. Um, 22 years old, this woman was. Have a whole life in front of her. She was one of the shining lights of stardom. She was the most charismatic and easily engageable characters in stardom. And her death came as such a huge, horrible shock to so many people. But not just that. It is a horrible spotlight on how people use social media. Social media can can be used as a platform for good, you know, a platform to reach as many people as you possibly can. However, and this highlights it, some people use it as this horrendous way of tearing people down. You know, we all know how difficult it is to post any sort of opinion on social media without being torn down by people who seem to think it is absolutely fine to berate you for having something that is even remotely different to what they believe in. And it's it's not okay. And this needs to bring about some manner of change of how people actually use social media and make people understand that cyberbullying is never an innocent thing. There is always someone behind the pictures, always someone behind the status or the update. It's never just an innocent thing and unfortunately this has caused the death of 
a 22 year old woman not a wrestler it was also starting to make sort of our waves on tv and stuff as well so. well Is that the sizable extent from her appearance on terrace house like yeah apparently someone in terrace house ruined her wrestling gear and then in the reality show which to be fair, let's be honest was probably staged it's a reality show um slapped him and then she got abuse online for it yeah a, a lot of the abuse apparently stems from her appearance on terraced house and if that's the case then you just you've got to look at it and go what is wrong with some people um it's like that's that's the weird like the word trolling has somehow become like it started off as like something that, like actually harmless like oh look we played a harmless little prank but like even the person being pranked will laugh at and now it's trolling is basically oh yeah i'm gonna kill you and rape your mum or whatever and like that's that's what it is that's People like people self-identify as trolls. Don't want to say what that is, but like you didn't stop it from that being. So that's that's just what it is. That's just how it is. And like, if you have any, if you put yourself out there in any shape or form on the internet, in any like you get you get it. So like, I don't. know, Sometimes I put something stupid on Twitter and or Facebook and get abused for it. And like, I, I have no fucking clue how anyone who actually has a presence manages it. Sometimes you just gotta, and it's harder. I suppose being younger, it's harder to do, but you just have to sort of let it slide and just think well, these people can't actually do anything, and well, it's they're well, the cowards. In Hannah's case, like in, in her specific case, that's all she wants. Like again, she said it. That's all she wanted. She wanted to be loved, and like you can see, pe- and like and you can see people as soon as they read that going, "Well, you didn't have to put yourself out there," and then like that's just a shit way of thinking because chat. Point is they put themselves out there to entertain us and then like because she did that it killed her and it's disgusting and like I don't want to dwell on like the circumstances too long because quite frankly we've been doing that all week because she's special she was special I don't know if Gaff seen her actually you might have because she wasn't Ring of Honor around the time you I think around the time you guys were reviewing mm-hmm. it um she was spe- like she was infinitely watchable she definitely wasn't like I don't know about her because I think that's something that happened, and I think that's unfair to the people. Like she wasn't the best worker, but like for how fucking young she was, mm. like 20, 22 years old, and she put on like just infinitely watchable matches at such a young age. Like she would, like when I started watching Sardin, like whereas like Arisa what is what made me like fall in love with it. She was who made me take notice because she came out. Like colourful as all hell, carrying a ma- in a gas mask. I think at the time she even had the fucking giant samurai sword. I was like, oh, that's just objectively kill. If and, it's entertaining, then it's the job. Yeah. Um, just I don't know. Like she, me and Rob say, I think we've said it on every Stardom cast. She's the best promo in Stardom. Like yeah. her, like charisma transcends the language barrier when she's speaking. Like, which is w- weird to say because, like, we talk about someone like Corona, his, um, his charisma transcends. But like, when he speak, he we don't. When he speaks, we don't really care. Whereas when Hannah speaks, we pay attention. As both facts, we don't speak Japanese. Mm. <laughs> like that's just telling to how good she was. And again, she was shit. I think she was like six months younger than me. It's a testament to her her character and her as a human being, the tribute that she's received um, from 
everyone that knew her, everyone that didn't know her. You've got people who have never met the poor woman and her are just pouring their heart out and saying she sounded like the most amazing person. She was, you know, anyone that worked with stardom said that she was a friend to everyone. She was the person because she had the best English. She would be the person that was making the Gaijin talent feel wanted, you know, people that she wasn't in a stable with. She was the one who was making people laugh, you know, videos have emerged that they were just dancing stupidly to try and entertain people. Will Ospreay has come out with this, lovely story about how she just wanted to be with people and I don't want to dwell too much on it because obviously myself and Chris are going to do a, a longer tribute for her on the Stardom cast but it, it just sounds it's... like um, go on sorry it God. sounds like the classic case of somebody putting on a face but they're deeply depressed like the Robin yeah. Williams sort of thing where they act like quite outward and they're quite extrovert but then like in reality they're quite sort of lonely it's scary it's, it's scary. horrible and the, the thing is what people need to remember is and again it's it's harder to say than to do especially nowadays but it's okay to step away from this shit just block like close your accounts and just step back for a bit yeah absolutely in something like an entertainment medium, that's harder and harder to do. Because that's your job, especially when she can't wrestle. She needs to keep her profile up, and that's... Well, that, uh, I mean, that's what I mean. It's like, sometimes it's harder to say than it is to do, but if it's fucking affecting somebody that deeply, you, you've got to take stock of what matters. And I think as well, but... you've got to realise that... In Japan, they have had a state of emergency, so their lockdown in many cases is actually worse than ours. So not only mm. has she been subjected to, as she puts it, nearly 100 opinions every day about how she should die and disappear and all this absolute bollocks, but she then cannot get out and have the support of friends and things like that and have people come around and comfort her. She is alone with all these opinions, and, and with it's them horrendous. Being, and with them being from that region and the, the way they're brought up that are seen as weak if they ask for help yes. which is another fucking tragedy there's there's so much tragedy behind this and if there's one thing we can take from this entire thing is that we need to be better because what we are doing at the moment has cost a 22 year old person their life and it's it's people on social media that have caused that. So yeah. overall, and we need to be better. Is, they're the people who laugh. The people who cause this are probably the same people who laugh when people talk about like the need for safe spaces, but they're the people who cause the need for safe spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Let's... Um... Like, I'm, I'm not being... Go on. Sorry, Chris. It's just... Oh, like, again, I, I just want to say this again because I don't want to end this segment on the circumstances but she was special even like without the body of massive standout matches that um contemporaries would have that's down to her age like it's just i don't know it's just gonna be weird having stardom without her like i can't imagine stardom without her no she was such a she was such a linchpin of the promotion and a linchpin of people's lives so Rest in peace, Hannah, and our thoughts and prayers and everything else go out to friends, family, well, anyone else that knew her. We'll have a more, more composed tribute on Sunday with the Stardom cast. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, next, on Saturday, AEW aired their Double or Nothing pay-per-view behind closed doors at Daly's Place. Um, this was supposed to be at the MGM Grand in Nevada, and was it's basically their big event. It's one almost one year since, you know, the big show, and it's really interesting to see where they've come from or how far they've come in so in <laughs> many cases from that first double or nothing show to this double or nothing show and the show itself was really really enjoyable really enjoyable and we'll go through it match by match by match um i'm not spending loads of time on certain matches but there are matches we're going to talk more about than others that's just the way it is um but quickly before we delve into each match um chris overall opinion of the show fine during the circumstances my biggest problem like isn't with the matches it's with a lot of booking decisions which oh believe me i like these two can attest i have a rant saved up for one booking decision <laughs> um, i know rob hates another one i think even more than i hate and uh the one i'm gonna rant about um they're continuing <sighs> Their continued relationship with rapist Mike Tyson continues to be a thorn and a thorn <laughs> in my side. But um, I'm I'm literally not. I don't want to normalise this, so I'm just literally just never going to not refer to him as rapist Mike Tyson because that's that's what he is. He's he's he's, he's rapist Mike Tyson, convicted rapist Mike Tyson. Um, the main event was cracking. The AEW title match was much better than it had any right to be given the story. Um, but which I think you can say a lot with a lot of the matches, but like again, you because we we don't they, we don't know the circumstances behind this. They don't have access to everyone per, um, and like basically who they have access to depends on what the TV taping is. So like building stories has been harder. So I like this is really good. Of course, there's not the overall sense of optimism we had coming out of um, last year's. Because, like, sort of, their mission statement has kind of come to fruition. But they're, they're competing and beating one of WWE's brands um, with how ratings are going. I think for SmackDown, um, they're close to compete. They're not a million miles off of competing for SmackDown. Not just because they're getting bigger, but because WWE ratings are getting smaller. I'm sure we're covering that at some point. But yeah, I, it was just a fun show. It was a fun enough show that I didn't actually see many. NXT fans complaining that AEW exists, which is rare. So, <laughs> um, just to go back to your point, it's an interesting point that you've made about how obviously AEW have been beating NXT more often than not in the ratings. It's actually Raw they are closer to in the ratings than SmackDown. SmackDown are pulling in relatively consistently near to two million, uh, whereas but Raw are pulling in. They've been pulling in their weakest numbers, so you know one point six. 1.6 million people. That's TNA numbers. What you've got to remember is, Chris, not only are we in the height of a pandemic where they're not, they haven't had people as a crowd, and it's it's become glaringly obvious just how important a linchpin a crowd yeah, I, is I, I, to a show. If but you need an example of that, the Seth Rollins Drew McIntyre match would have been easily a high eight out of ten with a crowd. Well, Raw's also three hours every week. Yeah, I, 
that's the thing. I, I think the three hours is an absolute rating killers beforehand, as we've sort of seen. Unless they end up having an unbelievably interesting story, it just drops week on week and week. Yeah, to have to watch three hours, to watch two hours is a bit of a chore. But to watch three hours week in week out with no crowd interaction, with no ambiance there to make it anything other than just what is a struggle. It's it's no wonder the ratings have been dropping. I'm I'm not willing to use the numbers at the moment as any sort of indicator on the product because I don't think you can in the current circumstances. But I just wanted to point out that Raw is actually currently lower than SmackDown. Um, <laughs> Garth, what was your overall opinion of Double or Nothing? I really enjoyed it. Um, I think there were, it was a, definitely a sort of a show of sort of highs and lows. But overall, it was a really fun, good show. And I'm glad, I'm kind of glad that it wasn't where it was supposed to be because they wouldn't have done what they did. And honestly, I know we're going to go into more, but <laughs> I know it's what my you're favorite, say. Favorite, favorite match this year. That's Stampede. Just, just as a pure spectacle in entertainment, 10 out of 10. I, just brilliant. I can't yeah. disagree I'm so, with I'm, you, mate. I'm so glad that. They got the opportunity to do that because they wouldn't have under normal circumstances. No, they wouldn't have done not at all. And you can have like a horse actually involved in a match. <laughs> Just <laughs> exactly. the pop when that horse arrived. We'll get there oh, though, guys. Was... We'll get there. Yeah. We'll... Let's um. Some... Let's talk no, about some of these matches. Oh, oh wait, the buy-in. Oh fuck! Do we have to talk about the buy-in? The buy-in. Nah. <laughs> Just skip it. The, the buy-in was like a PWG opening tag team match, but worse. Let's just move on. Yeah, to be honest, I didn't even watch the buy-in because I completely forgot that it was there. Best friends won. They are the number one contenders for the AEW. It was fine. It would it would serve well as a TV match. Yes, it was was a fine enough thing. It's like any other private party match. It was it it was high octane, but private party is still green. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. Um. So we started with the casino ladder match for a future AEW World Championship match. Um. Just quickly, I'm just going to list the competitors, obviously missing out the mystery one for now. We had Luchasaurus, Frankie Kazarian, uh, Kip Sabian with both Jimmy Havoc and Penelope Ford, um, Scorpio Sky, Joey Janela, Orange Cassidy, Colt Cabana and Darby Allen. Joey Janela, of course, replacing Phoenix because of injury. Though, it is important to note that it is not thought that that injury is anything important or serious, so that's good news. Um, better safe than Anything else? Yeah, quick, exactly. Quick story question. Why the fuck is Jimmy Havoc with Kip Sabian? Because they're mates. <laughs> is that it? They Cause live I'm together. Not... Yeah, I um, think they're like they're legit like best mates in real life. It's like even I beef a fuckboy um, was best mates with someone who listened to um, my um, Black Parade one time. Is that how you see That's... Jimmy Havoc? Well, in AEW, yes. Oh, yeah. In... In progress, he's scary and will probably cut your ear off. But oh, look at me! Yeah, I it... watch progress. Uh, no, <laughs> just right. <laughs> you know how disappointed you were when um, Bobby Roode turned up a main roster and it's like, oh, he's so good in TNA, he's so good in NXT. That's me with basically any Brit Res guy who ever goes to America. <laughs> <laughs> so this match overall, um, before we get into um, the mystery opponent and the ending. Um, Garth, opinion of this match? It was good. What I liked about it the most is 
and this sounds a bit stupid, but it wasn't like a spot fest. There were spots and there was Darby Allen. Um, but it wasn't like 100 mile an hour where people were doing their shit all the time. It was actually a wrestling match with ladders. It wasn't like an NXT one where, as exciting as it is, nothing ever feels um, like it has any weight to it. Mm. Whereas this, like people were getting hurt and they were legitimately down because they'd been hurt. And then they weren't jumping up and then sprinting up the ladder. Um, there were a couple of occasions where I was watching and legit, legit thought, shit, they're going to get the belt here. Like Frankie Kazarian on a couple of occasions mm. was just steaming, steaming up the ladder. Not doing the whole, oh, I forgot how to climb a ladder thing. Like, it was really good. Like, Otherwise known as the Dolph yeah. Ziggler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the Darby Allen thing is a mixed bag because he does that stupid fucking thing on the skateboard. And I was like, what? I, I, I know he's, a, he's, he's insane. I know that's his whole gimmick. Hey, man, it's totally radical. But you could see it coming, and it looked horrible. And it was just, why, why, why would you do that? But as like the whole match itself was really good, and then the secret sort of competitor came in and given a whole different dynamic, and it really sort of did change the match. It was like really well thought out match. I enjoyed it. Chris, I didn't enjoy this. I thought the stipulation was stupid. I thought it was like the worst of like two thousands um, WCW and um, two thousand two to two thousand and fifteen. WCW. Like... <laughs> no, seriously, when we just take a not when we just take a normal fucking stipulation and add something onto it that just goes like for example, there was nothing stopping. Like it's just stupid. I don't. It's a stupid stipulation and it dragged the whole match down for me. Like when everyone got in, that's when the match got good because it was a normal ladder match. And I'm, and it's sort of like the, if I didn't know that like no one in the elite or like anyone who mattered liked Vince Russo, I think Vince Russo had his hands all fucking over this. It's like, <laughs> look bro, it's gonna have a ladder match bro, but it's also a Royal Rumble bro. It's never been done before bro, it's gonna put an over ratings bro. Also rapist Mike Tyson. Um, <laughs> just no, like once the mystery opponent got in, got in, I'm like, I'm not being okay. It's Brian Cage because I don't know why we're waiting to reveal this because we know it's Brian Cage. Yeah. Um, once he came in and like it basically became a match of building him up. It like building him up didn't really come to the expense of anyone, which is something AEW does have an issue with. Where if they're trying to build someone up, they tend to bury someone else. Sean Spears. Um, oh Christ! <laughs> so like. Once this match became a match, it was fine. But like the disjointed Royal Rumble shit beforehand, no, not if this in it, Chief. I wow, I'm literally in the middle of both of you. I thought <laughs> like the, in Blackpool, hey, the match itself, I thought was good. I enjoyed the match. I, the stipulation, you know, you're always going to have people looking for a new stipulation, something new. And yeah, sometimes it hits, sometimes it doesn't. I I didn't have an issue with this, to be perfectly honest. Um, I I did have an issue with um, a few spots, just they took too long or they took a little bit too long to get into position and things like that. It was a 
there was bits that were a bit sloppy. Um, I thought once Brian Cage came back, came in and was the big reveal, um, I thought the entire match, the entire dynamic changed, and I thought it, it was really, really good then. They built him extremely well, made him look like an absolute beast, and then the entire of the rest of the competitors teaming up to bury him under stuff. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I'm with you, Garth. The Darby Allen spot, I know that he's supposed to be this reckless bastard that will take his, you know, take himself out, you know, just as a byproduct of trying to hurt someone else. But the spot made little sense because even if he'd have hit it, he still would have hurt himself more than the person he was landing on. So I don't, it's it's the whole putting a ladder on someone and dropping an elbow on the ladder. You know, it, it it's only going to cause you pain, never mind the person mm. that you are, that, you do, that you're doing it on. I thought some other people that looked good in this, I genuinely thought, and I've made no bones about saying that I've got very little time for his character in um, AEW. I thought Kip Sabian looked relatively good in this. Um, I thought... Yeah, Penelope Ford and she's like, you're crushed. <laughs> um, I thought Luchasaurus looked good for the limited time they used him. I didn't realise I wanted to see a Brian Cage versus Luchasaurus match. I was, but... just, gonna, I was just gonna say that. Like I wrote down on my thing, I was like, yes, I want to see more. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to say that. I fucking hate his kicks. They never land properly. You can blame that partly on him. That's also, you know, that's also people taking the kicks as well. I'm sorry, but like when it's nine out of ten times it doesn't hit, I think a majority of the blame lands on him. I don't think it's nine out of ten times. Okay. And when did, in this match does kicks look good? Dude, we're talking about a ladder match with nine people in it and a big reveal. I don't remember luchasaurus's kicks of, of all the spots that took place in this match luchasaurus's kicks are ranking extremely low down on it <laughs> I, I i take note of wrestlers who kick a lot because i like a kick it's my it's my thing and like you put luchasaurus's kicks next to basically anyone's kicks and it's like uh your shit kicks mate stop kicking people <laughs> you're you're a dinosaur eat them what do we think overall, and Garth, I'll start with you, what do we think overall, A, of Brian Cage being teamed with Taz as a mouthpiece, and secondly, Brian Cage winning that future AEW World Championship match? I think Cage and Taz kind of make sense. It's the kind of going for the Brock Lesnar thing. Um, whereas... But Cage is all right talker. He's not great, but Taz is a better talker. So it kind of works. Um, but the only, the, only th- the first thing I thought of when I saw Taz come out with him, and I thought, oh, God, Samoa Joe. With the fucking nation of violence. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> what I thought, I got flashbacks to, like, Joe with the cock on his face. Exactly, that's what I mean. Oh, um, it's a sad time. And then... Uh, <laughs> But I thought when he came in, he, he looked good. It would have been so much better if there was a crowd. Because um, I think he would have got a genuinely good pop. Um, I love that bit where they just piled all that shit on top of him. And then, who was it? Did the Was it Joey Janela? Joey Janela hits... It was like a stomp or something. No, it was a Death Valley driver onto the chip that was on top of Brian Cage. But That's I can't it. remember who he did it on. Was it, it wasn't Orange Cassidy, was it? Orange Cassidy was genuinely laugh out loud funny on this. He, I love Orange Cassidy in big matches. Do you know what I like the most as well? Well, not the most, but I love the build-up where they were like, 
what you don't know the rules. <laughs> no, I love that when he came out and went up to the commentary table going, What do I need? What to do do? <laughs> it was when he was trying to put the first ladder up and it just fell over because he hadn't put it upright. Because he just I, couldn't be bothered. As a student, <laughs> I would like so hard to Orange Cassidy. <laughs> so, Garth, um, second part of my question What yeah. do you think of Brian Cage as the winner? Um, mixed bag. I've, like I wrote down, like, is this? Oh, no, it's wrestling, so it doesn't matter. But is this fair? Because all those other people have been scrapped, like scrapping for like a year, and then he just comes in and takes it. And what happens to the other people now? Um, like Darby Allen, people are who have been set up as sort of like sort of potential sort of title people, and it's he is a legit. Like talent, and he's good, but I don't know. It, it was a, it, like I say, it's totally mixed. On one hand, it was good because it was a nice surprise, the perfect person to bring in. But they also have loads of other talent, and it is getting very bloated now. What happens with MGF? What happens with um, all Daddy. those types of people? Yeah. Um, but I like Brian Cage, so I'm happy to see more. I've got a theory does. regarding. Um, MJF. Um, just before I throw to you, Chris. Apparently, Brian Cage has been signed since January. Um, but obviously, he's had this bicep injury. I think it was a bicep injury. Anyway, I can't remember if it's bicep or neck. I think no, it was neck injury. I apologize. So they they basically said, yeah, they basically said, look, we're gonna sign you, so don't worry about you know money, but just get better when you can get better. So. That's really good on Tony Khan AEW's part. Um, you must also see them if they're going to sign in while injured. Well, because WWE, WWE, when someone's injured, they just say, "We'll sign you when you're not injured because you know yeah. cuts." Or they'll release but, you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, during a pandemic. Yeah, Chris, your opinion? Um, Drunk Cage is great. He's a. I question anyone who didn't at least try to sign him because. He's probably the best. I want to say the best, but Michael Elgin exists, but also fuck Michael Elgin. You know what I mean? We all know what you mean, mate, yeah. Me and Rob have always had like this eternal struggle of Michael Elgin so good, but oh my God, fuck Michael Elgin. Um, But like Brian Cage is the best ethical big man out there. So like I'd question anyone who didn't sign him. Um, He'd make a great addition to any roster. Um, I think AEW needs to stop pretending that their results are result-based at this point. Like, the, mm. the rankings were good, but like the rankings never seem to dictate who gets shots, which is yeah. fine, but stop pretending they do. Um, the, I do kind of agree, like, someone like Darby, someone, um, a lot of people in this match, like Darby and Scorpio especially, has sort of been under that precipice, um, precipice and then like, Never quite get there. This could be a good um, slingshot, especially Darby, who, who's had a mini feud with Moxley going on. Um, but also, like, if they built Cage, I now do not trust AEW to build monsters. We'll get onto that. Um, so, again, it's mixed. It, it's completely... Honestly, it completely depends how they book his title match at Fight Back, So, Which we're going to get on to in there 
and a different news item. Um, I really, really like the pairing of Cage with Taz. I I don't care if there are parallels between Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. Paul, he- Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar is a great pairing. Why not try and do oh, yeah, something works. similar? Like that form, the, the following of the months during the well-spoken advocate goes back to Heyman yeah. and Andre. Exactly. So, like, and Taz is fantastic on the microphone. You know, we've, we've waxed lyrical about how good he is on the mic, how good he is on commentary, how good he is during his segments. So why not utilise him more? Also, the fact that he can break down a wrestling match so well nowadays. Yeah. Like, he didn't used to be able to do that, but, like, on his test segment, he's so good at breaking down, like, a wrestling match. Like, good at kayfabing the dumbest of things, like a Kenny Omega move, <laughs> into being a legitimate move. So, like, at that point, yeah, he's if he's, like, decided to go into a managing career to manage someone, that also actually gives him some legitimacy within the kayfabe AEW have built up. Taz has become a bit of a meme, but, like, just if you've been watching the AEW product, it makes complete sense. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, as for him winning, um, I share the same opinion as both of you. I think, yes, you've got to make him look strong, but I think the way he came out like a house on fire, then to have all... To, basically, for it to take eight other people to put him down and bury him under stuff. Be his mid-card. Yeah, even <laughs> so, eight people to bury him under stuff, like, destroy him, put him under stuff, that's an alright way for him not to win that match. You've debuted him, he looked like an absolute monster, and it took eight people to take him out. Because then you could do a story of him getting revenge, because he has a machine Terminator-type gimmick going on, you do a story of him avenging that against everyone in the match. Literally run through the mid-card. Yeah, and then, like, that builds up a perfect case for him getting a title. Lads, we should book a wrestling promotion. We're so good at this. (laughs) No, we're not. Um, (laughs) I gave this... I I was torn because I gave it a seven. And then the more I've thought about it, the more I stewed on it, it was... There were bits that were disjointed. However, I am going to go with my gut and I am going to give it a seven. Garth, what did you give it? Same, seven, yeah. Chris? I gave it a so like, I'm completely outside of you, so... We'll give it a seven just because there was two of us. If it was, if you'd given it a six, it might have averaged it out, but I'm sure you'll have your... I'm sure you'll have your say later on. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about the MJF and Jungle Boy match um, because it was a singles match with no stipulation. However, um, I thought this was absolutely fantastic. One of the matches of the card, I think we've we've had a match. We've had MJF, who's always been, you know, he's always been absolutely fantastic on the microphone, yet he hasn't quite had that barnstormer match. You know, we had that match with Cody, but for me, he's always not had that barnstormer match. Here, he showed off just how good a wrestler he actually was alongside Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy... You know, we talk about how how you build someone. Jungle Boy is absolutely fantastic and over like fuck as well. Right. So and how young as well they both are? Unbelievable. Like, fucking unreal. Unbelievable. MJF has got such a big future ahead of him. And as for just quickly um parachuting onto what uh, one of you said, I can't remember who it was, about how MJF is gonna deal with this. What a fantastic way of him saying I've been mistreated by management for this newcomer to come in and get a towel shot ahead of him who's got the best singles record of 2020. Yeah. It just it plays into his character. Um not a lot else to say. I gave this an 8. I know there wasn't any stipulation to it. That shouldn't hinder a match and for me it didn't. I thought this was a really really excellently wrestled match so I gave it 8. Garth. 
yeah, eight. I really, really enjoyed it. Just the story in the match is really good. How we worked him sort of all the way through it. Um, and the both, yeah, the both came because a lot of this was Jungle Boy being quite uh, desperate at times because he wanted to win so much, and also MGF doing every dastardly or like sort of wrong and move that he could. It just worked perfectly. Yeah, really, really good. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Chris. There's nothing I can say will make me sound wanky now. Um, this was like a really solid match, like an unbelievably solid showing. I expected this to be around a six out of ten, and it was a seven for me. Yeah, so but, it averages out at an eight. Yeah, but like my my issue again is the lack of story. Like, just but wasn't yeah. It's like why why. It's not just why, it's also like within the match, we didn't build a massive story within the match and then like plucky babyface versus heel, but that's like for minimal you should ask for within a match with these two characters. So like, I, I still think we worked really well, especially given the limited story they had. But there was no heat, I was watching this going, this is objectively, objectively really good, but why do I care? Admittedly, I've only watched the highlights of Dynamite the last few weeks, so um, I'm sure you two who actually watch the products week to week to week yeah, um, still there wasn't really any story really. No, not yeah, really. In terms of this, how well worked it is, I watch a lot of Japanese wrestling, so I've sort of been spoiled. Yeah, exactly. If, if you're going to compare it to a complete, I mean, there's no point I'm, comparing it. The the two different styles. It, but like, if you take, if you compare this to like a G1 match that has no um, chance of affecting the ratings. For for example, if Ishii took on Yoshihashi. Um, neither man's going to win the G1 as much as some people would want that because Yoshihashi is amazing, obviously. Um, but like at the end of the day, this is amazing. But who cares? But like their match would be better than this match. I know that's me being wanky, but still, it is you being wanky. But we'll uh, we'll <laughs> let it slide this once. Um, so I'm going to introduce all the stuff to do with this, and then we'll just wind Chris up and let him go like one of those toys. Um, <laughs> We go to the tournament final for the inaugural AEW TNT Championship. Um, I was going to do an entire bit on the belt, but it turns out the belt wasn't finished. So and now it has been finished. It's all over Twitter and actually looks relatively nice. So I'm not going to moan about it. Um, we obviously had Cody with Arn Anson defeating Lance Archer with Jake Roberts in 22 minutes with Mike Tyson visibly bored at ringside <laughs> um, <amazing>. just <laughs> uh, did he even know where the fuck he was um Does he know type? oh god um right from now chris okay we're just going to assume that the rapist bits implied <laughs> uh, yeah we don't need to bring it up anymore <laughs> yeah i'm gonna be talking about mike tyson when we talk about dynamite later on then i'll bring that segment back but right now there's too many mentions of mike tyson <laughs> Um, Garth, before Chris goes on his on his rant about Cody H, um, what did you think of the match and what did you give it? I enjoyed the match. I thought, as always, what tends to happen is Cody's matches go too long. and What a surprise. And he kind of spoils because he is essentially the best salesman in that company because he gets you invested in every story that he does and he makes whatever he's doing, again, obviously, the most important thing and you actually believe 
that everything going in is important. Uh, they weaved quite a good story. I really enjoyed having like Jake Roberts there and Arn Anderson, but then the shenanigans was a bit shite. But uh, I enjoyed the match, the ending, and the interruptions and stuff just pissed us off again. It's more more run-ins and more interruptions and shitty finishes. But the match is good. It just went too long. I'll give it like a seven, I think. Yeah. Um, again, Chris, I'm keeping you on ice just because I know you've got a lot to say about this match and I'm worried if you go before I do, I'm not going to get to say what I want to say. <laughs> um, overall, um, the match up to a point was really good. I think Lance Archer is very good in ring and again, Cody's very good in ring. I think since Cody's match with Dustin, I think he's got it into his head that he needs to have every match be the epic match on the card and to a certain extent you know he can pull that off i mean he's got the storylines to pull that off um with him not being able to go for the AEW championship this makes sense for him to win this championship for this to be his championship um i I think with all the bollocks that went on, it took me completely out of the match. All the bollocks with Mike Tyson, all the bollocks with Jake Roberts, Arn Anderson for being kicked out after literally doing very, very little, and then Jake Roberts being kicked out for doing even less. He'd literally done nothing apart from laugh at Arn Anderson. Um, Again, it's just, it was overbooked for overbooked sake. Um, Did Mike Tyson bring anything to it? No. Did either manager bring anything to it? No. And unfortunately, you were you were always going to struggle with this match because you'd spent so much time building the Lance Archer and Jake Roberts partnership, building Lance Archer to be this dominant beast, which you've sort of undone by signing Brian Cage, but, you know, that's by the by. Um, and you had the storyline there for Archer to beat Cody. I think the storyline would have been better... You know, this can still be Cody's championship. The AEW TNT championship can be synonymous with Cody. That's absolutely fine. I think he would have been better chasing this tournament. I uh, Sorry, chasing this title. I think there would have been a better storyline going forward with him chasing this belt. Do I absolutely despise the booking in the same way we're going to find out Chris does? No. Do I think it hurts the prestige of the belt? No. Do I think it hurts who holds it? No, I just think there was a better way of booking it. The bollocks, again, really took me out of it. I didn't enjoy the bollocks. And to be honest, the length of the match, like you mentioned, God, just it took me completely out of this. And originally I gave it five. I've I've reassessed and given it a six, but it's a low six. And it's it's probably the worst Cody match on pay-per-view since his since AEW. I'm happy to drop mine down to a six sake. Yeah. Um right. Garth, have you got have you got your beer? Yes. Are you comfy? <laughs> I'm just gonna pour yes. a cup of tea from my industrial sized flask, one point eight litres. Um which I've spilt all over my desk. Wonderful. And Chris, go on then. Okay. Um just gonna, take... <laughs> gonna take a quick drink of what am I drinking again? Samuel Joe's straight Kentucky bourbon is from Aldi. She's not drinking the Cody Kool Aid. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> castle and hurt you, Gaff. Um, 
okay, so this match was Hulk Hogan grade booking bullshit. Uh, <laughs> you have taken this big monster, right? This big monster, and like I was skeptical about Lance Archer going over. I was like, oh, they're probably going to do nothing with him. And then they brought over him over. They gave him Jake Roberts because let's be honest, Rob, we watched enough New Japan to know that Lance Archer is much of a promo, to say the least. He's like a Pokemon. He can say everybody and dies in various orders. Actually, just one order. Um, That's pretty much it, yeah. No, I'll give it yeah, that. that is basically it. And then sometimes there's heavy panting in between. Um, so you give him the best promo to ever live. Heavy patting? Heavy panting. Oh, sorry. Do continue. Uh, um, so you give him the best promo guy to mm. ever live. But apart from maybe Paul Heyman. And it's like, okay, this could work. <laughs> and then it's like, you know what we should do? We should get the guy who's only lost twice in the entirety of AEW and haven't beat him. Because mm. you, you know what? No one's going to care because people like Cody and people don't like Hulk Hogan and that's the main difference. So like if we book Cody like Hulk Hogan, that's going to be fine. If we build up this unstoppable monster, you know, be big, um, not big names, but like make him unstoppable and make him look like he could be a force to reckon with within AEW. It's just dumb. It's so dumb and like I agree Cody was probably a really good choice for the first champion because you need to solidify the belt and quite frankly Lance Archer in if you don't watch New Japan is basically known as the guy from TNA or the tram stamp but fucking you didn't have to put them in the tournament you had guys at those tapings not doing all that much you could have put one of them in the tournament and then have like a Cody because I'm not being funny Cody people keep telling you that Cody's giving and like you just need to look at his record to know that he's not giving giving people are like oh he put he put over Darby by having a draw yeah but yeah he's beaten him twice since twice and then like oh he gave Sean Spears a big feud it's like yeah he's beating him what the fuck is Sean Spears we'll get on to that um <laughs> and then I'm like oh he's he had a title match and he lost yeah he lost to Chris fucking Jericho he lost to an objectively bigger star. Cody had not lost anything from being beaten by Jericho because, like, quite frankly, everyone's been beaten by Jericho because that's just what AEW is right now. And then it's like, oh, he beat MGF. Yeah, but, like, he beat MGF after so many fucking circumstances that it's almost uncomprehensible. And then you got into this match, and, like, the beginning was fairly fine, but then it became slow and plodding. It, it just... And when Cody before was going, oh, people refer to me as, like, a three-star master. Three stars is fucking a lot for you, sir. Be happy with your six out of ten and fuck off, you blonde cunt. Wow. And so, like, because, like, he's positioned himself as this figurehead, and that's fine. But stop booking monsters to then kill them, because, like, that's Hulk Hogan great bullshit. That's what we did for The Undertaker, and it killed so many people. That's what Jeff Jarrett did for himself. That's just so many people have done it for themselves. And for some reason, because it's Cody, they're like, oh, it's fine. And quite frankly, I hate Cody more now because he's shown he can put together really good work. And yet in New Japan, I really produce liquid dog shit. And just fuck it. Fuck off. Fuck everything. What's the, what's the fucking point? And Mike Tyson's in there. What the fuck is Mike Tyson there? What the fuck does Mike Tyson add to this product? Nothing. That's what Mike Tyson adds to this product. He took his shirt off for some reason. He looked like a drop lasagna, and that's coming from me. <laughs> I didn't enjoy anything from this man for seven minutes. 
in what was it a 20 something minute match 22 22 um so that's about the length of most g1 matches a lot of wrestlemania matches actually and they're all better i have this stands as one of my least favorite matches of the year and that includes a noah match where the two guys just stood across the ring from each other for half a fucking hour um and people tell me that's a five-star classic fuck off um, just no fuck. Up. I'm sick of people defending Cody. He's this is this is Hulk Hogan grade bullshit. But, but that's what Cody is. It's like, oh look at me, I'm the best thing in the world. But you're not. Fuck off. Fuck you. Garth, you first or um, me? Uh, I'm chill. <laughs> um, valid point. Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. I I agree with you on certain counts, Chris. I do. But there's got to be certain points where you do book your biggest stars as victors. You've yeah, got that's fine. But again, I, I whether said... he is Booker or not is irrelevant. No, but I said earlier in the rant, he's definitely the best best person to go for that TNT title. But what you do, you have Lance Archer beat everyone for months and then go for the fucking title, right? You basically wasted a monster push for no reason. I agree, and it is slightly puzzling that they've dispelled this Lance Archer story straight away. Straight away. This is WWE Hulk Hogan great bullshit. But, again, rationalise. Is this the storyline they always had? Probably not. It probably went longer. They've already right. said they pushed a lot of this forward because of the pandemic. I'm not I'm saying fine. that's the reason, Chris. Calm that's your fine, tits. Like, you have so many people you could have put forward. You can't tell them in a, in a fucking, what, eight-man tournament, you couldn't have taken Archer out, have him beat a few of the indie guys they had in the crowd and put one guy in there. Fuck off. Who would you have put in there instead then, Chris? Oh, who... Oh, have Trent go in there, go out in the first round to Derby or something. So because... you're saying having a Cody versus Derby final? Yeah. And then you would like, have I, Cody beat Derby again. I'm not being funny, but I would have, you could at least pull more of a story out of that where Derby's conti- It's like Masara or Saruta or Tanahashi and Okada. He's, he got that one, some would say, fluke victory or draw in this case, and he's chasing that again because that will solidify him. And then Cody can't surpass him. You can, there's more of a story there than just, oh, you've built up this unstoppable monster who you've poached from a different company. And now, lol, Cody wins. Because, like, where does Archer go from here? There's nowhere for Archer to go from here. Whereas with someone like Darby, or even if you had, like, Dustin in the final and have, like, this round circle thing, there's so many things you could have done. Because even if you had Dustin in here, you wouldn't have had to bury Sean Spears later in the night. Spoilers. This, this is literally the worst way they could have booked this. I'm not being funny. I am not defending the booking. I'm not defending the booking. I think the match oh. was not that good either. I've just said that. However, I don't agree with the assessment of Cody. I don't. But that's the whole point of having a podcast where we discuss things. We have different opinions. I think Cody needs to be at the top of the card because he's a star. I don't think Kenny Omega is where he needs to be, but that's by the by. You have a company, you put your biggest stars at the top. How that's been booked, yeah, I don't agree with that. I don't think Lance Archer should have been dispelled with, as I've already said, almost instantly. How much of that is Cody's fault? Well, that's by the by. You know, part of it is Cody's fault. He's not the sole booker. But he's not the, 
Okay, but are you telling me that Cody was the only guy in the room going, yeah, guys, I totally shouldn't win? Maybe not, but you can't place sole blame at Cody's door. If he was the sole booker, if we're talking Bill Watts WCW, fine. But he's not the sole booker. I'm not saying he's he's solely to blame for this. But like because he has the book, it's more egregious than when, say, a Cena goes over a monster where that's equally infuriating. But also I hate this more because Cody had some say in this. But you are comparing Cody to Hulk Hogan, who quite flagrantly politicked his way to the top, and you think Cody is doing the same, do you? Not in the same way as Hogan, but this is how Hogan booked himself to get over, where he'd build up a monster. I will just point out as well, this is how angry you're getting. You did draw references between Cody and Darby Allen to Okada and Tanahashi. I know you're angry. No, no, I'm not saying it would be as good, but I'm saying there would be direction. Lance Archer being beaten here doesn't give Lance Archer a direction because he's not. You can't have a heel chase a belt in the same way you can have someone like Darby chase the belt. Okay, we'll leave it there because I'm worried that Chris is going to give himself a coronary. I give this match just free, by the way. I fucking hated it. Re- really? You couldn't tell. You covered it so well. Um, let's move on then, guys, before I'm actually worried about Chris's blood pressure. Um, we moved on to a women's match that I'm not going to rate. Well, I am going to rate it, but I'm not going to rate it really badly because, to be fair, it was supposed to be Chris Statlander <laughs> versus Britt Baker. Oh, Britt, Britt Baker. Oh, I, I, I got mixed up between the women's matches. Yeah, this match was liquid dog shit, quite frankly. Who the fuck um, It was supposed to be... Britt Baker, she was injured, and again, I'll talk about that later, but it oh, was no. replaced by Penelope Ford. Garth, did what did you give it? Five. Yeah. Because I, it was just straight down the middle. It was all right. I gave it four. It was plodding. I still don't get Chris Statlander. I don't think she's that good. Admittedly, Penelope Ford's still quite green, so potentially not the best person to pour in the ring with, but this is like the fifth Chris Statlander match I've watched, and I haven't been convinced of it in any of them. So, um, Chris? Yeah, this match is bullshit. Um, I enjoy Chris Statlander just as you two hate her. And I, I, I like the alien gimmick. I might be alone in that. Um, Penelope Ford is god-awful. She's the Mandy Rose of AEW. I think that's the best comparison we could probably draw. She's not that bad. She is not that bad at all. Yeah, but like compared to like the rest of AEW's women's division, she's not she's not as strong as other people in that division. Certainly, she's nowhere near the top of that division. If you look at who else is in that division, but yeah. like, she's not Mandy Rose for goodness' sake. At least you know she doesn't. But like I'm saying, she's there like because she fulfills a need. It's, there's no way to say this without sounding awful. Um... Don't say it. I know <laughs> what you're a... gonna say. Do not Don't say it. Don't be a JD from New York. Yeah, um, exactly. And he is a bellend, so don't be him. Oh, he's a... well, how the fuck is he popular? Like, we give much better critique than that fuck. You just uh, called Cody a blonde-haired cunt. Yeah, but, like, he he has blonde hair and he's a cunt. Not going to get into it. Not going to get into it. I, I didn't did reference how good Cody is and bad. I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's perfectly adequate. Um... 
was my point? Oh, yeah. Um, Fuck no. Yeah, this match, was, this match wasn't great, but it's not really worth dwelling on. No. Um, I gave it four. Um, Chris? Yeah, as well. You gave it four as well, so let's go four then. Um, I'm not going to rant about this because well, what's the point? Yeah. Um, and I'm not wasting my time on it because we've got other things to discuss. Dustin Rose defeated Sean Spears in three minutes in a squash match that had no right being on this card. Um, why Sean Spears left WWE where he was a jobber to then leave and become a jobber on AEW where he gets his arse out and has Terry Blanchard on his penis, I've got no idea. Um, so I gave this a two. And I think that was being very, very, very generous, Garth. I agree. Same. Yeah. <laughs> just nothing that I just. Yeah. Fair enough. It it was pointless. Is that the word? Yeah, completely. Completely. I think what annoys me, what annoys me about this segment is that I had high hopes going in because of the whole. I thought Dustin won turn up and it would be like Sean Spears constantly calling out Dustin until like the next review where they finally have a blow off because stop being a dick to Dustin uh, and I thought that would be quite cool but then no it's just a Rhodes has to go over and we need to have Brandy on the show somehow so it's, the thing that annoys most is this didn't even need to be in the ring they could have done this as a backstage two minute skit yeah and yeah. then that could have carried on into like a further feud which may not have gotten Spears over but it would be something because he's a talented promo at the very least he can get a story over yeah he's a, he is very charismatic and he is being wasted um, this this had no right being on the pay-per-view it didn't even have any right to be on the buy-in it, this was a dynamite segment and well would it have even made dynamite um, I Dad, like I say yeah I gave it a two completely pointless um, I didn't bother Go on. It's a segment. It's a segment. I don't see any point in rating it. No. Um, we then move on to the AEW Women's World Championship match with Hikaru Shida taking the belt off Nyla Rose. Uh, Garth, opinion, and was it the right decision to put the belt on Shida? It's, it's another tough one. Um, I enjoyed the match. It was, it was good. I thought Shida sort of... She was on the back foot for a lot of it and she bumped like a motherfucker. Um but also got her shit in. And it was quite a brutal match. It was it was like a fun match. I still I don't know at what point is the right point to take the belt off Nyla was, but I still like that she's had it that long and it would have been nice to have it a bit longer. Um but I like Sheeda and I think she's earned that. She's She's putting like constantly solid matches, and she's she's one of the few people that's actually properly worked her way up to that position, where she started on having like tag matches and stuff, and she's been properly built up, and not just sort of been inserted into this sort of feud. So, um, and Nyla Rose had sort of bulldozed her way through everybody else, which I think it's good. Yeah, it's good and bad, but I enjoyed it, and I think. Seven. It was a good match. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, I I gave it the exact same rating as you. I think it was a good match. It's Nyla Rose's best match, certainly. Um, I think for me, I don't think they quite did enough building of Sheeta to be the person to knock over Nyla. I think she should have been the person to take the belt, 
just not at this pay-per-view. I think a couple yeah. of, maybe it's all out, which they advertised for September 5th. I think that could have been the moment. I just think, you know, Nyla Rose has been built as this dominant beast in the women's division. And who, by the way, I really have invested in. Um, that whole break bitches character. Love that. Thought that was great. Um, I think she deserved a little bit longer with the belt because let's be honest, she hasn't been on TV. We haven't seen her with the belt for a long time. Um, I just I feel like she deserved just a little bit longer. Put her in the ring with someone else on this pay-per-view and then give Sheeta the belt later on. However, this match, I gave it a seven as well. Thoroughly enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would actually. Um, so yeah, seven out of ten. I'm a little bit iffy to see if it was the right decision, but we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, Chris, um, Shida was definitely the natural next champion from Rose. I I do agree. It could possibly be a bit early because it was this earlier this year where Rose got it, wasn't it? So mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, like have Rose break an indie person on here. Well, actually, I don't. Know. Like, who do they have access to? Because I'm trying to think who they'd have. Well, maybe Chris Outlander. Have, like, Chris Outlander and Swole in a, like, triple threat or something, because that's what we were kind of building up to and then dropped it. Yeah. And Swole um, was there at ringside. Okay, yeah, yeah. Then have that. And have tri- have um, Rose break them. And then, yeah, have um, Sheila get the next one, because she's been built up really well and like and if, if this was against anyone else I'd be like yeah yeah she did about but because Rose has only had it for a few months I'd be like yeah it's it's questionable definitely um she did, is definitely gonna be a great champion she's definitely popular like people love her and like rightfully shows she, oh she's great but again Rose got shafted and then it seems a bit unfair mm, yeah. like I'm not complaining because I did call who won for predictions by the way we'll call that at the end Okay, because um, this gave me a point in predictions, so I've, I can't complain that much. Um, I'm not saying I am a huge teller, but all I'm saying is I do look a bit like a fat Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the match itself was fine; it was perfectly adequate, um, which is more you can than you can really hope for with most women's matches in AW, thanks to how it booked. But yeah, I I enjoyed it well enough. Yeah. There's uh, nothing to really talk about there. Seven? Are you all right with seven? I mean, like, if you won by gate at six. Okay, fair enough. Um, so we move on. We then move on to surprise of the night for me. Um, not in the result, but in the match quality. And that's nothing against the people in the ring, but we'll get into that. Um, John Moxley defeating Mr. Brody Lee by technical submission to retain his AW World Championship in 15 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, Garth, opinion, my friend. This match flew by. It was, it was just, it was a classic Moxie match, but it was fun and it was uh, full of daft little spots and it was, as you would expect, a brawl. It wasn't a wrestling match per se, but it was a definitely sort of Brody Lee actually got to get his shit in as well rather than just coming in and kicking. Um, I just enjoyed the match. I thought. The both came out. I mean, Brody Lee came out looking like an absolute monster when he was put down in the ring by the DDT and kicked out after one. Um, that was a surprise. But then obviously, so obviously Moxie had to take it to the next level and put him through the ramp, uh, which I thought was a brilliant spot. And I've heard some, well, I've read some people saying that that wasn't planned and it was a legit thing. I was like, no fucking way would they 
have built that in a way where somebody could potentially fall through it without rigging it. Um, but even though fucking Brody Lee smashed his head open or bladed, um, it looked good. Um, and once again, Moxie had to really sort of dig deep to get the win. And he makes that belt mean something. He, he makes it feel like it's important and he'll do anything to keep it. And I'm, I'll be happy to, to, for them to have like the sort of road match straight away. I really enjoyed it. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. I completely agree with you. Uh, on all counts, including the rating. <laughs> um, I thought this was far better than it had any right to be. I mean, it's had, what, three weeks build? Four weeks mm-hmm. build, max? And it's it's not been great build either. Um, I was a little bit nah. sceptical. Um, I know there are quite a few people who are sceptical of the Brody Lee character, um, but I'm not necessarily sceptical of that. I'm just sceptical of, you know throwing him into a title match already. Um, but the match itself, or the brawl itself, was really, really good. Um, every spot meant something. Brody Lee looked like he was an absolute monster. You know, he was always going to lose. I think we all had John Moxley to retain here. But it was about how they made Brody Lee look in loss. And I think mm-hmm. kicking out of the paradigm shift and then kicking out of the one after he went through the ramp that really did sort of like, what the fuck? This guy's absolutely mental. What 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 do I do? And then obviously defeating him by technical submission. How you now cap this off is how you book him coming out of this. Is he going to be completely demented and just absolutely tear through people as he goes back after the belt? It Does he go after the TNT Championship? Does he not go after any belt? Um, because for me, I don't really see the character as needing a belt, but that's nah. that's that's by the by. Overall, a really, really good match. Far better than I thought it was going to be. I was a little bit, like I say, tentative about this match, but 7 out of 10 for me. Um, Chris? Yeah, but it's my, my lads, we, we just agree. That never happens. <laughs> um, like, I, I couldn't agree more. Like, there's, I feel, again, the Brody Lee character does not need a title. He can spin off and keep doing his shit. And then, like, you can build him back up. It's not a Lance Archer situation where he got he got destroyed for no reason because it wasn't like Brody Lee was built up half as well as, as as in terms of like a scary figure. He's the leader of a weird sex cult, so <laughs> that's that's not the set. And yeah, it was just a, an enjoyable championship match that wouldn't have felt out of place on any of the pay per view. Quite frankly, I think with the crowd, it would have like much like the June. Um, half match, although this wasn't as good, um, would have felt better with the crowd. But like, yeah, that especially one, the spot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a decent enough first defense for Moxley. He needs to get both in the bank just so he can um, have a legitimate reign. Um, but yeah, this was this is a fun title match. Turn off your brain, have fun. It's like a it's a Moxley match. Yeah. So we then moved on to. <laughs> The stadium stampede match. Uh, the elite um, Adam Page, Hangman, uh, sorry, Hangman Page, Matt Hardy, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, defeating the Inner Circle, Chris Jericho, <laughs> Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz in 34 minutes. Now, I am just going to say something before I let Garth talk because I know he's going to rave about this match. He absolutely loved it, and I know Chris has got things to say. The first thing I want to say is. Um, before we get any manner of criticism. Um, 
I was, or I'm still, I am a huge advocate of the two matches of WrestleMania, the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match. Thought they were phenomenal, especially the Firefly Funhouse match, which, you know, I still hold as one of my favorite matches of the year for several reasons. I didn't like the Money in the Bank ladder match. You know, I'm in the minority. I know there were a lot of people that liked it online. That's absolutely fine. Like what you like. The problem for me with that match was that the comedy didn't quite hit. It was very forced. It was very down your throat. And I just, I didn't enjoy it. I just, I felt like I was being not patronized, but it just, it felt very, very forced. forced. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, forced. And I didn't enjoy that about it. Everything that I loved about the Firefly Funhouse match and the Boneyard match, I didn't find in the uh, the Money in the Bank ladder match. I applaud the concept, I applaud the idea, but I just I, I didn't like it in execution. This, the Stadium Stampede match, was everything I could have wanted. Comedy-wise, spot-wise, every single person in this match, from Sammy Guevara to Jake Hager to Santana and Ortiz, were given the chance to shine. And actually, the person with the least to do... On this ma- in this match of this thirty four minutes was probably Chris Jericho, yeah, um, who you wouldn't <laughs> really expect. You know, one of the largest segments was between Matt Hardy, Kenny Omega, and Santana and Ortiz, who got over as really, really like subtly funny, like Ortiz. Oh, oh. You do you you know he's quite crazy, so you get that with him. You don't really get that with Santana. So to have him in this sort of area, this sort of you know this in this this match where he's got to be funny. And it worked. It really did work. It was subtle, and that's what I find the difference between this and the Money in the Bank ladder match. Anyway, um, Garth. Um, it's like you say about the Five Life One House. It's just, it was fun, and it was there. You, you can see the... Um, this was... The, you can imagine the meetings before this where they were just like, right, what can we do? And then they just went, yeah, let's do it all. And it was just like, right, okay, well, Hangman Page is a cowboy, right? You can just ride a fucking horse across the field. <laughs> I was like, right, do it. <laughs> and it was just seeing that, and I was just like, I, I like, I was sitting watching it with her, and like, and that was saying, I was like, uh, I just went, yes. I just said, yes, just went, what? Yes, what? <laughs> I was like, this dude, she was like, is he riding the horse? I was like, yes. She was like, I thought this was wrestling. I was like, this is wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> this is wrestling. Um, it's just, honestly, all of the bits were just so well done. And like, the, I even like, the, one of the bits that made us laugh the most was the, um, the, the what was it, the, the pool of reincarnation, <laughs> where they just kept dunking Matt Hardy and he kept coming back as a different version. <laughs> and it was just and the look on like Santana Ortiz's faces every time was just priceless and then did I don't know if you noticed it and this is like this is super fucking nerd shit right but I think it was Santana and Kenny Omega and one or the other Irish whipped the other one through the curtain to get to backstage and now I saw that yes that's something you used to have to do on the N64 and NWO 
I think it was Revenge or one of the N64 games to get backstage, I had to Irish whip them. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God, this is fucking incredible. I noticed that in the second time I watched it. Um, I'm kind of sad we didn't do like the Smackdown Hickens with Pain um, animation, but we just looked back for no reason and just. Oh, watched. yeah. <laughs> Uh, but uh, the barb roll as well I was pissing myself at that it's like uh, just where they sit down and uh, he pours them the drink and says oh yeah come here to drink or fight <laughs> <laughs> and they just let the shit out of each other and then he ends up doing the thing where he, like the John Wayne thing where he drags them through the bar and then that buckshot uh, lariat off Omega's back and Omega like down in the the pint of milk just the whole thing, the like everything was just good and fun. And if you can watch that and not enjoy it and be entertained, you need to immediately stop watching wrestling because <laughs> that is that's like you want to be entertained. And they had wrestling in it, had a bit of wrestling in a ring for a little bit. Um, I even like properly marked out when a uh, Jericho hit his fucking move on that on the Jaguar just for no reason <laughs> just <laughs> um, and Sammy Guevara's facials on this was fucking amazing like when he's like hit by the sprinklers and he was it like a hundred yard um, <laughs> the rolling German suplex yeah. <laughs> sorry the rolling northern lights it was amazing uh, just, and then the them chasing him with the car again uh, and the Kenny and Mega's face where he looked absolutely like maniacal uh, just the whole thing like I don't want to go through all of it but honestly just that's a match I could easily put on at any time I watch it I think honestly that's the type of match I put on for anyone and they would probably get enjoyment out of some of it and the finish was good as well brilliant 10 out of 10 honestly 10 out of 10 go on Chris um, well, in terms of like just critiquing what happens, what else can I really say? Um, just if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Like we we brought up the money in the bank match a few times because like clearly, like the two are kind of the same. Like you need to have your main event be like this out there because of the lack of crowd. Because um, we saw saw from Mania Night Two whether it isn't that it just falls flat. Um, what I will say this. Um, if the Money in the Bank match was, say, a sitcom, it would be the Big Bang Theory. Where, like, yeah, while it may have its moments, by and large, if you enjoy it, you're probably an idiot. Um, whereas here, it's more like a, um, like a community or a Scrubs or a... I, I'm running a sitcom. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, where, like, um, while you... Parks and Rec. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Where you can just sort of jump in blind and enjoy and yourself. A, but like, there's a character for everyone. No, exactly. If you jump in blind to any episode or like any or just into this match, you'll enjoy yourself. But like, if you've been watching like AW or like New Japan beforehand, you'll enjoy this more because you know the little things. Like, for example, Omega drinking milk and Hangman drinking alcohol. That's just. It's, it's, I don't know, like Hamman coming in on a big horse. Um, just... I can't swim. What do you mean? What do you mean you can't swim? Uh, <laughs> I forgot that one. <laughs> it's just, yeah, exactly. It's, and again, like um, the money in the bank match is your big bang theories, your um, 
Seinfeld, they're mostly for like common denominator idiots, both here. Just like anyone can enjoy it, but also if you're paying attention, you can have more fun. I mean, the bit with Matt Hardy taping Ortiz into the wheelchair and just doing his whole doctor <laughs> shtick, and then Ortiz coming after Santana, just literally dragging himself with the one foot, going, I'm going to come and get you, Matt, eventually. Yeah. It was amazing. Really. Like a horror movie. Like I said, (laughs) every single person in this match had time to shine. Even Jake Hager, who isn't known for his, you know, his comedy, so you know, so to speak, he was he was brilliant. That entire barroom bit was brilliant. I genuinely was absolutely wetting myself as they kept cutting back to Adam Page going round and round the stadium on his horse looking for Sammy Guevara. (laughs) I genuinely marked out at that bit, just really, really laughing my head off. And then when Usyk comes face to face with the horse, Jake Hager, I was like, they're not going to have a fight. He's not going to fight the horse. This is the best Corona era match, right? It's up there with the Firefly for now. So I put this above the Boneyard match. I put it... The problem is, like, I can't, like, in retrospect, as well, I love the Firehouse fun, like, um, the Firefly fun has all my heart i can't call that a match like in the most technical terms there was a free count yeah, yeah it was more of a segment i will grant you that but even so i still i still put this on par with that i gave it a 10 as well garth because what the fuck else can you give it it was i'm just inclined to agree despite the fact i didn't rate this because i didn't know they like legally should <laughs> legally Legally, like I'm going to be sued if I give us a ten out of ten. Melts is going to be like, this isn't a match. You're you're encroaching on my copyright. I bet I bet you any money he rates this. Yeah, who? Melter, because he did. He hasn't rated the. He didn't rate WrestleMania, and he didn't rate. He rated the The money in the back pay per view. He just didn't rate the money in the bank ladder matches. Doesn't the Observer come out on on a Thursday? I've already checked. It's not out yet. Okay. Oh yeah, you have a description, don't you? I do. Um, anyway, let's move on from Double or Nothing because uh, we've spent a little bit longer than I thought we would. Um, let's move on. A bit of dynamite news uh, coming off the back of AEW uh, Double or Nothing. The first is that Britt Baker, the knee injury that she received, the go-home of Double or Nothing, is not as bad as everyone first feared. It was feared that she could be out for six to nine months. Um, she won't be. They reckon it's going to be more like two months, six to eight weeks, which is good news for everyone. Um, she did come on to Dynamite in a wheelchair um, and then turn around <laughs> on the back of the wheelchair. It said Roll Model, Roll spelt Brilliant. R-O-L-L. So absolutely fantastic. Popped big for that. Um, it's also been confirmed that Matt Jackson has legitimately got a broken rib so which makes the moonsault off of the goalposts even more impressive um i couldn't breathe with a broken rib never mind perform a moonsault off of the football goalpost and they had a match on dynamite as well just the man clearly is a machine and actually god that's a brilliant segue well done my friend um because we did have an aew debut um possibly the worst kept secret. Everyone knew this was going to happen. It was just a case of when. Um, but the revolt or FTR or fuck the rest or whatever you want to call them, the old revival from WWE debuted last night on Dynamite or on Wednesday night. This comes out on a Friday. Um, but they didn't just debut. They debuted and saved the Young Bucks from the Butcher and the Blade. So... Uh, 
how long, boys, before FTR end up with that tag team match against um, Omega and Hangman Page? Are we looking at all out for that, do you think, Garth? I think all out. You think all yeah. out, Chris, yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think that they'll, they'll have a story beat, like a, a proper lead-up to that one. Yeah. At the moment, obviously, we talked about on the pre-show, the best friends of the current number one contenders. I see that taking place on, as the main event of a Dynamite. And then... There's Firefest between now and All Out, isn't there? Well, that was the next thing I wanted to talk about, actually, Chris. So well done on helping me in my segue, buddy. Uh, but, like, I actually have a quick question about FTR. Um, how much do you think it's going to fuck us up that um, Scott Dawson is now called Dax? Honestly, mate... <laughs> Whereas Dash Wilder isn't called Dax? He's called... Yeah, Dash Dash is called Oh god. Dash Wilder's now called Cash Wheeler and um the other one's Dax Harwood, I think. Jesus. How, how much is it going to That sounds bad. When talk like it's not even that like Scott Dawson and Dash Wilder are good names. It's just gonna it's just stuck in our heads. You're just used to saying it, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was the same with Lee. We just got we just stopped calling him Harper after the first two weeks because we got used to it. So I'm sure it's gonna be like anything else. So I think it's because we knew we knew his name before. Yeah. It's like when your favourite India TNA guy goes to NXT and it's something called Cameron Grimes. Oh god, the most Ooh. generic name. The, I mean, Trevor Lee isn't exactly not generic, is it? But um, so something else that comes out of today is that Tony Khan, when he was talking about uh, Brian Cage having signed back in January, he also announced that Fighter Fest, which will take place between um, Double or Nothing and All Out, which again was advertised for September the fifth, um, Fighter Fest was actually supposed to take place. In the it's U like, fucking K. We would have had a wrestling road trip. Oh, we, irrelevant of if that was London, we would have absolutely been going to that. Right, Garth? Sad, isn't it? I'm trying not to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> that, could have, that, could, that could have been our summer son 92. It would have oh. Like, just think about it, Garth. We'd have been in the car for eight hours. We'd have picked, we probably would have picked Rob up from Stoke. It would have been amazing. The just the idea of that gets me so aroused. Um, <laughs> the chances are we are going to have an AW event in the UK. They seem very dead set on that. It just won't be Fight Fest. Um, do we see? I mean, the main event of that has already been confirmed. There's going to be Brian Cage versus John Moxley. I don't see Cage taking the belt off Moxley at all. I'm I'm more apprehensive about this than I was about the Lee match because I think Cage got has got a bigger build than one match. The difficulty for me is, well, not the difficulty. I just I don't think Cage should come in and win the championship straight away. I feel there is a chance for someone to ruin that match for him. Maybe an MJF for him to ruin the match for Cage. You know, full of anger for the fact that he's come in and basically waltzed his way to the top. Um, I don't think he walks out of Fighter Fest the champion. I think Moxley retains. I think just, and I think it will probably be with some manner of um, DQ finish or some manner of ballsy finish. Um, but I do think it will be an absolutely fucking great match. Garth, what do yeah. you think? Yeah, definitely. I think because Brian Cage can do the sort of hardcore stuff as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think 
with um, Moxley, I mean, he, we know he can wrestle because he has had some decent matches in the past, but so far he's just been like the Stone Cold sort of blood and thunder. So it'd be good to see how they go up against each other. Yeah, I can see Moxley bumping like a motherfucker in that match. Moxley will make him look fucking brilliant. I have no doubt about that. You, you say that, but every match Moxley has with a giant, it seems like a giant, unless it's Jeff Cobb, is bumping circles around Moxley, like with mm. Arch at the Dome earlier this year. True. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I have high hopes for that match. I have higher hopes for that match than the Brody Lee match, and the Brody Lee match was, as I've already discussed, a pleasant faith, surprise. We have more faith in Cage as a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Well, True. in that position, maybe, yeah, because we all know Brody Lee can work. Um, last thing to come out of Dynamite, there was a confrontation between Mike Tyson and Chris Jericho. <laughs> uh, um, at least they are referencing the fact that they knew each other in WWE. It, w- it would make no sense for them to do this and for them not to be now. There's clearly going to be some manner of angle because there was a pull-apart brawl at the end. Um this, I don't know how I feel about this. I feel like never, in my whole time, in the whole time AW's been on TV, I've never felt like they were desperate. There's one time where I felt like, where they were desperate for ratings, and that was blowing guts because it was world games out of nowhere for no reason. Whereas here, like I've never felt like we were more desperate for ratings, and we really don't need them. No, I I do agree with you, Chris. It it did seem a strange a strange thing to have Mike Tyson at the pay-per-view at all. And then there was always going to be an angle because it was reported that he was going to be at Dynamite the next night and it was it made sense to be with Chris Jericho. Um, what that's going to be, I've got no idea whether we have some manner of match at Fight Fest or whether it'll be some manner of angle, I don't know. I just... I don't need to see this. This, this no. is the sort of Point thing that WWE do at WrestleMania. This is your Floyd Mayweather versus Big Show. This and, is what AEW is not meant to be. Exactly. This is everything yeah. that I didn't want AEW to be. We have WWE for that. If you want that sort of thing, that's what the WWE is there for. In my in my humble opinion, I don't want AEW for that. We, you know, we're yet to see what that can be. Jericho makes pretty much everything work, so I am quietly confident whatever it is won't be a train wreck. So fingers crossed. Moving on from AEW, because we've spoken about AEW a lot on this episode so far. A couple of items of news regarding recent WWE releases. So uh, back in, I believe, was it April or the start of May, um, WWE had that horrible amount of releases. Uh, Deanna Perazzo was one of them. She has emerged in Impact Wrestling. Um, I think, personally... That is an absolutely cracking fit for her. Um, I think she could be at the top of that division alongside Tessa Blanchard. Um, Obviously, I know Tessa Blanchard is the Impact champion, but at the top of that women's division, I think she is that good in ring. She's a good promo, and I think she's an injection of new blood that the Impact uh, Knockouts division needs. I can't wait to see a match between her and Jordan Grace. I think it will be great. Um, Garth, as our resident impact mark, um, what do you think of this in general? I haven't not watched Impact that much recently. Um, <clears throat> I don't really know the state of the women's division at the minute because the last one I watched... The same as when you stopped. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's always good to get somebody new in. And, like, because Jordan Grace is the champion, she's pretty much run to everyone that can, so sort of see where she is. Um, it's debatable whether sort of Tessa's going to continue on the the World Heavyweight Championship trail. Um, I don't know. It's good. I mean, I think it's a surprise. I think it's a surprise that she's gone to Impact um, and so quickly as well. So that's yeah, good. It's a good sign. Chris, what's your opinion on the uh, Diana Perazzo thing? I don't quite know where else she could go. Could like, are you going to go to Ring of Honor with Women of Honor? <laughs> no. Um, like AEW has strong people but bad booking. So why would you go there? And of course, why would you go back to the third like Impact other than NXT right now? Probably has the best women's division. Um, yeah. Like it's an actual division as opposed to something like AW where it seems to be just there to tick a box because they don't seem to know how to book it. Um, in NXT, like she was definitely wasted in WWE. Oh, completely. She is like she is an unbelievable talent. And to be honest, even without um, how badly booked the AW division is, I still think Impact would be best because after she pulled out of All Out to sign with WWE, which are not being funny, a one-off date compared to like a long-term contract, I'd take the long-term contract. Um, yeah. Cody sent a side stripe to her, and that was completely uncalled for. So I'm like, yeah, maybe not go there. They might still have bad blood go to Impact. And yeah, in terms of what she could do, that's probably the best non. That's probably the best American promotion she could go to right now. So. I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what she can do when she's allowed to do something in a good division, because the only other division we've really seen her in, in a major promotion, because I don't really watch the US Indies, is Ring of Honor, and like, I'm not being funny. I could tell an actual joke, but it's less of a joke than the Women of Honor division, so. <laughs> um, moving on from Diana Perazzo then, Drew Gulak, who we reported last week, um, was at the end of his WWE contract, and they let it expire. Uh, it turns out that he has, it's widely reported that he's re-signed with the WWE um, and he's appearing on tonight's SmackDown. So My favourite favorite thing from this was a Simpsons meme, where it was like, Drew Gulak was reported by some news sites to have been released, but we later took him to a better news site where it was later reported released. <laughs> so uh, overall, it sounds like Drew Gulak has got the money that he requested in the first place, good on him because he's fucking good. great. Um, That's all I want is he treated well, and it yeah. sounds like he's negotiated to be treated well. So good on him. Yeah, exactly. Good news. Good news all round. And I think he is a good fit on SmackDown. Um, if his matches with Daniel Bryan or anything to go by, you know, he's got a very, very long, illustrious career with the WWE. Last week when he was released, we were struggling to place him. So like. We talked about a lot of places, didn't we? We did talk about a lot of places, you're yeah, right. none of them seem to quite fit. Like, all of them could have been good, but, like, none of them seem like a guaranteed slam dunk. And, like, with Peraza, where she goes to impact, it's like, yeah, that's probably a slam dunk, whereas here, here it's all, like, you could go anywhere and it would probably go wrong. So, Sean Spears. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, Sean Spears just doesn't make sense. Um then moving on then. So next week we'll give our official NXT takeover in your house um 
Predictions, couldn't think of the word then for some reason. Um, we'll give you our predictions next week. Obviously, that'll be after the go-home episode of NXT. Um, at the moment, the card stands at four matches. So currently, guys, I don't know if you know this, um, these are the four matches that have at the moment been released and been made official. So uh, we have Tommaso Ciampa versus Carrion Cross. Um the NXT Women's Championship triple threat between Charlotte Flair, Rhea Ripley, and Io Shirai. Um, the singles match between Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Um, and then we have a last chance match for the NXT Championship um, between Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream. If Velveteen Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT Championship while Cole is still champion. Um, Garth... Does this get your juices flowing? What are you excited for? I'm excited to see Cross's debut and it's against Champa, so it's bound to be sort of decent. Yep. Uh, the thought of Dream potentially getting the title is quite good. Um, it'd be interesting to see what his entrance is. <laughs> um, <laughs> On the In Your House set. Oh, it's going to exactly. be amazing. Um, it's got to be something like 90s, like. What if he comes out as like um like Mabel? <laughs> the, like... <laughs> he has one of those sumo suits on. With those like horrible like gold pants. Oh Jesus. And the, the big the big purple shell suit top. Oh amazing. Um, I think the the women's matches we've seen it a billion times mostly on one. Um but it'll be good. And yeah. The what was the other match? Balor versus Priest. Be good, but I don't know what, really what what happened with that one. So um, again, it's a match. It's Finn Balor, so it'll be decent. Chris, what about you? What about your young uh, Scottish fluids? Are they bubbling at the thought of this pay per view? Um, first of all, you forgot Keithley and Johnny Gargano. Ah, oh, yes, yeah. I have. That hasn't been updated on Wikipedia. God damn you, Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, so the US Championship between uh, Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano. Um, I'll start with that. I cannot get excited about Johnny Gargano matches anymore. We've not delivered in like a year. Uh, unfortunately, the last set, it seems to be, if you've seen one Gargano match, you've seen them all. Yeah, like... And in hindsight, that's just always been the case. He just had residual... Goodwill. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. Anything good since this Cole series? Um, I, did, I didn't enjoy his Bala match. I thought it was bloated. Like, can you tell me anything that happened in the middle 10 minutes? No, but you can say that about any fucking match, Chris. You can say that about any NXT takeover. Can you tell me anything that happened in the middle 10 minutes? Yeah, okay, but that's the problem. And I bring I bring this up every time. We so you can, so hang on, you can tell me every minute of no, the stadium minute, stampede match. If it's a ten minute match, um, stretch of this match when nothing of note happens. But we're talking we're talking about six months ago. Yeah, I, I, I okay, I know, but like we couldn't have the time either. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I can get excited, but you know, Keith Lee is like the best thing in the world. He is fantastic. Even, like, he manages to get over my disinterest in NXT, so um, this could be good. 
Um, priests, um, Bala match. I don't know the story. I know that priests attacked Bala or something. I'm sure it would be fine. But who the fuck's the baby face in this situation? I don't know. Um, the triple threat. I'm, I'm so over Charlotte, but it's not even funny. <laughs> like, I've not cared about anything Charlotte's done since her Becky Lynch feud. So, um, it, it would probably be fine, but I won't care. Who, who's the third person? It's me and the other person in that, isn't it? It's like Charlotte, her. Ripley, and Sharon. Oh, Ripley. Oh, why did I think? Oh, I saw her on a poster earlier. That's why. Yeah, that would be good. That's a good set of people. I'm sure I would probably bump circles around them and then take the pin because WWE doesn't know how to book foreign talent. Um, what, what's the other match again? Adam Cole oh, versus Velveteen Dream. Oh, Champa and Cross. That's who I forgot. Um, might be good. Cross's entrance is fucking epic. It's amazing, isn't it? It's quality. I yeah. love it. Um, Champ is a good person to because I'm not being funny. Cross is being probably put in Champ as uh, get probably getting put over here. So Champ is a good person to do that against because he's not going to lose much, and then that can be a feud going forward with Champa. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. That's probably my pick for match of the night so far, just because I think those two gimmicks sort of go well together. I think mind games could be pl- played. Um, Velveteen and Adam Cole. I, I'm rooting for Velveteen. I personally think it's time for a change. It's been over a year at this point. Yeah. And I love Velveteen Dream. I'm sure all of us do. Um, I, I, like Garth, I'm excited to see what he comes out as. Um, my personal pick is 2012 Adam Cole, so I'll just be boring as fuck. Um, <laughs> No, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. They're the two most charismatic people in NXT, other than maybe Keith Lee going at it. So that'll be that'll be fun, at the very least. Um, there's no tag titles on the line. I just it's because of, it's on Imperium right now, isn't it? Um, well, Imperium have just taken them off Thatcher and Riddle, haven't they? So there's, yeah, there hasn't been time I, to build anything yet. I guess maybe that'll be fun of the pre-show. It's just saying because like I'm not being funny. The tag title matches are normally my most looked forward to matches on a takeover card. So that's actually a bit of a shame, but. Oh well. I'm, yeah, I'm sure be I agree couple, with you. It'll be a solid couple hours of wrestling. Um, it'll be relatively inoffensive, and then I'll give it. I'll give one match less than eight out of ten, and the whole internet wrestling community will hate me for you know what's new. I'll be honest. I think this card has the potential to be excellent. I mean, we say this about every NXT takeover. Um, I think. I mean, it's been reported that Matt Riddle is being uh, sent to SmackDown. And apparently he's not going to be the only one from NXT to be bought to either Raw or SmackDown. I personally can see Champa going. I think Champa will leave and go to either SmackDown or Raw. So I think Karrion Cross beating him here is pretty much going to be a farewell, in yeah. my opinion. Um, I agree with you, Chris. Char- I am Charlotte appears on all three WWE brands at the moment, and I'm done. I'd, I'd... unbelievable. Her her promos are all the same. Um, she is a fantastic wrestler. I I will battle anyone who says she isn't. She is a fantastic wrestler. I think she's a great wrestler. I'm sick of her. Yeah. Oh yeah. That <laughs> doesn't stop me being sick of her. I don't want to see her anymore. But she is an absolutely phenomenal wrestler. And against someone like Io Shirai, I'm slightly slightly upset. It's not a singles match between Charlotte and Io. I think that could have been absolutely fucking epic. But Rhea Ripley is a great hand and has proved that Rhea she's more than capable. Who wants to be a star? So yeah, like, and she's very, very good. Oh, uh, for the WWE mode, yeah, she's perfect. 
Um, I I'd love to see Shirai take the title here. I really, really would. I'm I'm worried that she is going to be the fall person, um, but I just I don't want to see Charlotte with the NXT Women's Championship. I, I I'm done with Charlotte now. Um, not as a wrestler, just I'm done seeing it on my screen. Uh, on Instagram, because I follow both um, Andrade and her on Instagram, and they're both so fucking annoying. Anyway, continue. <laughs> um, Balor versus Priest, it's it's a match. It will be great. Um, Priest sort of impressed me last time I saw him, which was around Survivor Series. Um, he impressed me in that match. It went a little bit long, but other than that, he impressed me. So, yeah, it's going to be good, I'm Where- sure. When is this again? Uh, this is the 7th of June, so next week we'll be giving our... Uh, 6th of June? 7th of June? I You're going to be so sick of Finn Balor. Yeah, I know. 7th of June it is, so it's the it's the Sunday. Bloody hell. Uh, I've got to get up on the Monday. We'll be able to watch it live. Um, as for Keith Lee Gargano, I disagree with you. I think Gargano has had good matches. I think it's just... The, good matches. The like, problem think- is they've they've over-convoluted his storyline. They flip-flop between whether he's face or whether he's heel or whether they wanted to feud with Champa or whether they wanted to be friends with Champa. DIY? No DIY. It it makes absolutely no concept, no sense. It's the Okada problem. It's not even that. The, con- the lack of continuity in his character and the lack of continuity in his goddamn storyline makes no, me... Exactly. S- I don't want to be invested in his character. The whole point of that Champa and Gargano trilogy was that it capped off that feud perfectly it and then kept it going it's like the shield exactly not only did they keep it going but they then made gargano heal then face then heal again with little to no explanation and then he reignited the feud with champa and he just i'm done with it look at everyone else on this card for example what is like if you say what's keith lee's character well he's a baby face who's really good and he knows how good he is. That's his character. What's Johnny Gargano's character? Well, what week is it? <laughs> exactly. It's That's the problem I have. It's not his in-ring work and I will defend Gargano to the hilt. I think he's a fantastic wrestler and he produces consistently no, outstanding matches. Wrestler. Also, he loses in the same way. Oh, I'm going to be this cool baby face. Oh no, I did a stupid and now I've lost. Again, that's not his fault. It's the booking. Um... <laughs> The championship, oh, it could be fantastic. It really could. It's got the potential to be absolutely amazing. I would have said Adam Cole is going to retain um, because I just, I don't know whether they'll take a punt on Velveteen Dream or not. That stipulation, if Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT championship. It's It adds a wrinkle to that match. The fact that it's only until Adam Cole loses it does make it less predictable. Exactly, that's what I mean. If it was just if Dream loses, he can no longer challenge for the NXT Championship, then I'd be more like, eh, they're kind of building it for Velveteen Dream. Just that little bit while Cole is still champion. Cole could lose it the next NXT and Velveteen can still challenge for it. Um, of course, does that mean that Velveteen Dream is going to Raw or SmackDown? We don't know. Um, overall, I think it could be an absolutely, well, it will be an absolutely fantastic night of wrestling. NXT TakeOver, for me, very, very rarely doesn't deliver so i'm i'm excited about this again next week um we will give our official predictions for this card because i imagine there will be some manner of tag title match i know they did six matches on the last takeover so maybe we'll do six this time 
Did we do six matches in the UK takeover? No, we did that for Wales, not for Blackpool. Yeah. Um, so, lastly but not leastly on this slightly extended version of the week in wrestling, we've got episode three of the Undertaker's uh, Last Ride series, End of an Era. I just wanted to highlight this a little bit, Garth, because I know me and you have watched it. I know, Chris, you'll want to have your say at some point. Um, for me, of the three episodes, this one had the l- the smallest amount to take away from it. Yeah, I've got that. That's pretty much what I've got in my notes. Um, yeah. Although it was good, and it was still... I think we've been spoiled by the first two and yeah. that they revealed so much. I think we're kind of getting used to seeing them now. But still, like, at fuck, honestly, man, that, that match with DX, with <laughs> Brothers of Destruction, was... And, like, I haven't watched it. I, know, I haven't watched any of those shows because of the dog shit, but... They are. They're absolutely dreadful. Fuck me, that is lit. That, from what I've seen, that could be the potential to be the worst match of all time, or one of. Especially where it involves four of the the best of all time. Yeah. <laughs> like what expectations should be. Yeah. From what I've heard with this, it's sort of like the first two were like the final bits of Return of the King and then this is like the last third where everyone's just sort of falling into place. It was just I mean the bit where Kane's foot wig falls off. Oh my <laughs> god. <laughs> but not just that, you've then got Shawn Michaels whiffing that moonsault dangerously so as well. It was terrifying how much he missed that by. Yeah, he's still safer to work with than Nia Jax. <laughs> yep. <laughs> we haven't mentioned it. Injured another person. Yeah, I know. It, uh, there's no point There's no point in saying anything about it. The WWE must know at this he's point, not Chris. Going to be, and like, it's at the point where people like well, WWE haven't fired it. Well, yeah, WWE or someone's dealt drugs. So, like, let's not start pretending WWE's a moral high ground here. Um, Not only was this episode, it was obviously the shortest one of the trilogy so far, and you just got that impression, Garth, that basically he's going to keep wrestling until he has that match. Yeah, he's never... And I, the, pro... the, sad thing, the sad truth is, and unless it is like the, the, the sort of Boneyard match, He's not going to have a 30, 40 minute uh, main event again. He just, he, he doesn't have that style anymore. He doesn't have that need. We don't need that. And uh, I don't know. It's sad because obviously they're talking about the next, at the end of it, they talk about the next one. That's where he goes up against Goldberg and it's just, Oh Jesus! Yeah, that I match. Know. I want if if he is going to keep coming back, I want him to do more like he did with the Boneyard thing, where it's filmed and it can be he can be made to look as good as he needs to look, rather than live. I have a question for both of you. So, at the end of this, do you think we're going to get some manner of announcement that the Undertaker we're going to have a concrete date? that The Undertaker will retire. Do you think this is why they've started to put out this documentary? Do you think that they'll say something like, WrestleMania 37, The Undertaker's Last Ride? Something like that. I don't. I think they're just going to wait until Callaway is happy to walk away, which is going to be never. And it's a shame. 
but also Vince isn't going to say no to him. I don't even think it's that, Chris. I think it's the other way around as well. Undertaker cannot say no have, to Vince. Isn't he, hasn't he been fucked by like four divorces? This isn't like a Ric Flair situation where despite being so big, he has no money because of divorces. No, he's had one, hasn't he? he got, oh. No, he's had two divorces. I'm sure... Hang on, I'm going to check. I'm Some sure right. Michelle McCool is his third marriage. But he's just been given a 15-year contract, hasn't he? <laughs> yeah, I think that's why he took it. Um, yeah, That'll he's had he's had three marriages. I mean, okay. I imagine he w- he won't be short of money. Not if you live in his house. No, absolutely not. <laughs> bloody lovely that. Bloody lovely that. Lovely, lovely. <laughs> oh, isn't it just lovely though? Lovely, uh, lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Um, yeah, just it's sad though. Like, because he's, because quite frankly, I can't think of when he could have stepped away and have been happy with it. Unlike Michaels. <laughs> yeah. No, that's the, Triple H like, at 28. Oh, like, he's had several perfect opportunities to retire. I think Lesnar would have been a good point, even though the match wasn't great. It was a good tale. Um, even if he had come back and had, like, a barn burner, the year after and been defeated he can just go yeah right but that's me gone i don't know like he's too old to have that band burner now that's what i'm worried about because like i'm not being funny we've seen him like roman reigns he's not like we we harp on him several times for several reasons but like it's not because he can't work like you can't tell me about the two characters of roman reigns and undertaker couldn't have had a compelling match Cena at Mania 33. Am I right in saying? Um, No, 34. Yeah. That could have been a great swan song because Cena can definitely work a great match without working a great match, if you know what I mean. Like, that's a Hogan thing, but better. Um, Yeah, just he had so many opportunities and they're gone. And it's sad because he's going to hurt himself more and hurt himself more. And even while watching the documentary about the narrative, I thought I, I sort of had in my head, and it's tragic, quite frankly. It does make you wonder because the Undertaker, I think, at this point, is searching for something that he's, as you've said, he's not going to get. He's how old is he now? He's fifty. He is fifty. Sorry, I'm on his Wikipedia page now, and I'm why am I scrolling? There we go. Um, he's fifty-five, and his hips are basically made of glass. So, I personally think, well, I've I've always said that he shouldn't have had the streak ended. Never should have had the streak ended. But with with the branding of WrestleMania 28 as being the end of an era, surely that should have been the moment. Triple H stopping having you know a relatively full time schedule. Michael's gone. Taker gone. Surely that should have been the moment. Because you look at the matches he's had since. He had the match with CM Punk at 29, which was a good match, but did he need to have it? I suppose the match about Mania. Yeah, but did he need to have that match? No. Oh, definitely not. Um, The Lesnar match, you know, the ending of the streak, polarizing, think of that what you will. The Wyatt match, it made sense, but the match just didn't live up to anywhere near the build. If Wyatt was over, that would have been great. 
that's, yeah, why it should have gone over. Uh, the Shane match didn't need to happen. There was absolutely no point, and the storyline made no sense. And then the Reigns match, that would have worked if, you know, Taker was in better physical condition. Obviously, if <laughs> it's difficult, you know, Reigns is a great worker. I don't think much blame is at Reigns for that. But I'm just worried that he is going to just drive himself to a point of not being able to get that thing and it's going to really, really cripple the man. And I don't want to see that. His legacy deserves more than that, more than these failed attempts at trying to capture something he won't be able to get. He deserves more than that. And, you know, I mean, come on, guys. A casket match against Rusev. Was that ever going to be his last match? Oh, yeah, that happened. I mean, uh, I'm all, you know, I'm, obviously he's done that because... Was the Jericho match? Originally, yeah, but then Jericho left, didn't he? Uh, yeah, no, no, because Jericho was still on that show. He was in the Rumble. Was he? Yeah. Was that No, that was his last show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes, of course it was. That was his last show. Because well, he turned up on a Raw beforehand. It was like an anniversary Raw, and he was in like his, his Alpha Club Jericho shirt. Oh, God. Um... <laughs> It's wrestling is weird, isn't it? It really is. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, let's leave it there because it's already been a longer week in wrestling than uh, we're all used to, uh, touching nearly two hours. It's a busier week than normal. It has. Anyway, thank you so much for listening, guys. We really do appreciate it. Just to remind you that on Tuesday, we will be dropping our In Your House 16 Canadian Stampede review, so please check that out. Um, and our next week in wrestling will obviously be our NXT predictions, and that will be dropping next Friday, same time, 6 p.m. GMT. In the meantime, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe to it on all platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review and a rating. It really does help the podcast out. Uh, talk to us on Twitter at Podmania. Join the Facebook group, Podmania Podcasts. Uh, go and check out the uh, website where you can look at all our archived podcasts, all our match ratings. You can also check out some of our features, including a In Your House 1 review from the very, very first In Your House. Um, you can talk to me on Twitter at, at @realrobgoodwin. Chris, where can they find you? Um, I'm not going to plug my own Twitter because I don't use it, but at Stardomcast. It's a nice big community we have going on. I dig it. Lovely. Um, and Goth? Gothamania. And we will speak to you guys same time, same place next week. You've been listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Podmania. Facebook at Podmania Podcasts and YouTube and Instagram at RealPodmania. And check out the website podmania.co.uk. Until next time, wrestling fans. Podmania.